Hello, good evening, it's 5 o'clock. Welcome back to They Don't Make Him Like They Used To, your nostalgic movie show on Sunshine Radio, the hospital radio station for St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. <sighs> now that is a mouthful. Anyway, a little bit of what you can expect today. You can expect a little bit of... Hang on a second. A little bit of this. Some of this. A little bit of this. And some of this. But before we go there, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Tosin, and I am your film host, well, your film mad host. And with me in the studio, my brothers in arms, if you will, are Joe. Good evening. And Sean. Hello there. But before we unpack the goodies that we have this week, we have a first ever listener response slash criticism. Way! <coughs> I think that deserves a little bit of this. Yay! <laughs> We've got people actually listen. People listen and they care enough to actually get back in touch with us to tell us what they think. I'm a little bit overcome. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know, I know. Emotional. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it feels like we've won an award already. All right, so this is what it says, and this is from a friend of mine, Yatish, on Facebook. He says, listen to your show. How much, are you, how, much are you, how much planning do you guys do? I told him we did a lot, a very a, a huge amount of planning. I quite enjoyed it. Like the ways of getting Islanders involved. I think the Bob Hoskins and Blade Runner parts could have been better researched. This is based based on last week's show. <laughs> and you guys reminded me to pick up the Godzilla movie, the nineteen fifty four version, ordered off Amazon. So I think I think like you know what's that Japanese studio called? Is it Toho Studio? Toho, yeah. yeah to, they owe us our money. We oh, we inspired yeah. someone to pick it to pick up what they did. Yeah, check in the post, please, Toho. Yeah, <laughs> and after that, I replied to him telling him that we meant it. It's really like a fan show, and we just sort of like talk about things, not pers- not particularly from a expert perspective but just from a we really really like this perspective and he said um he says that i think the blade runner, blade runner chat was fine as a fan point until it became clear that none of you had read the book or knew about philip k dick and his background that would put into contention about whether Deckard is an android or not into full perspective pretty sure we were discussing the film though weren't we I, I know. Or multiple I, versions of the film. Multiple versions <laughs> of the film, indeed. Well, well, hey, hey, hey. I did, yeah. I did say that, but hey, we have somebody who got in touch with us. Yeah. That's, that's, that's <laughs> fabulous. Leave your uh, thoughts on, to th- on this week's yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. But anyway, so Yatish, just want to say thank you. And if anyone is down with this whole modern, newfangled Twitter thing, you can tell us what you think about the show at, at Tajai. That's at T-A-J-A-Y-I. Or at Joey Briscoe. Mm. Yeah. And uh, comment on or comment on the link when it was posted on Facebook, or if you're in the hospital, just phone us up. You can phone up, you can pick up the phone, get to the switchboard, and just ask to be put through to Sunshine Radio or Hospital Radio. And um, if no one picks up, leave a message and let us know what you thought about the show. And that goes for any shows that we have here. <sighs> I'm still a bit overcome that we actually got people getting back in touch with us. Yeah. <laughs> so onto the show anyway. Every once in a while, what we do here is that we have our choice. This is where we here in the studio, we pick a movie that we think is good from before the 1980s. We think it's an actual, it's just a classic. And we attempt to tell you exactly why we think it's a classic. This week, a choice contains the following piece of music. But listen in and see if you can figure out what the film is before the music has stopped. 
wake up in the morning, do you feel tired and run down? Do you have that listless feeling? Yes, that is the music by Franz Waxman, the opening theme to the Alfred Hitchcock classic, Rear Window. And, um... Right, earlier on today, I posted a picture of a Hitchcock box set on Twitter saying that we're going to be talking about one of the films in this box set tonight. And almost immediately, I got a reply saying, Rear Window. Several remakes later, the original remained supreme. So thank you at Iceman underscore X for that. That's, uh, yeah, another friend of mine. And um, Joe, a resident Hitchcock expert, tell us, what is it about this film that stands out above all the other Hitchcock classics? Well, well, it's very hard to stand have any Hitchcock film stand out above any other because they're all uh, masterpieces or very nearly. Uh, I just think The Rear Window is probably the greatest, if not one of the greatest films of all time. It's just it's a, a master filmmaker in complete control of everything that's going on. Uh, as a bit of a power freak, anyway, Hitchcock uh, was always trying to control everything that went on, and in this, he actually built an entire, basically an entire city block and uh, controlled what everyone was doing in every little window and and uh, controlled their lives. He was the, the ultimate puppet master. He must have been felt like a kid in a, in a sandbox. He must have loved it. Uh, so he can control every single aspect of the filmmaking process, every single thing that's happening all around this set. He was, he was the god of his own little world and it shows it's a perfectly crafted movie. <clears throat> uh, it's got a wonderful feel to it. You get the real sense that the the days and the nights in this city are just so hot, yeah. And and everyone's kept awake probably because it's so hot, uh, and uh, Jimmy Stewart can't sleep because he's he's got his leg in a cast. And even then, you see the sweat dripping down his face, and and he's just um, enthralled with with what's going on around him and looking at everyone's different life. I mean, if that isn't isn't something that we've all done at some point and just people watched. Uh, that we've always thought, well, I'd love to see where that person's going or see what that person's doing yeah. or what, okay. what happens when they close the windows and what goes on there. I mean, it's just fascinating. And into that, he, he weaves this incredible, uh, uh, tense mystery about uh, something that may or may not have happened. A terrible deed that may or may not have happened just across the courtyard from him. Yeah, sure. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a good movie. As I say, Joe obviously feels really passionate about this movie. Um, I think it's quite quite an interesting cast as well. Um, I know we were there's a character in it. Perhaps you could tell me um, Raymond Burr used to yeah. play Ironside. Yeah, yeah, he plays Thorwald. There you go. <laughs> what See, a, what <laughs> have you done with her, Thorwald? <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. It's, it's, it's good. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a great cast, um, and it is a great movie. But uh, as I say. Yeah. Joe, expert on it. I could talk about it for years. I just, yeah. I love it. How, how about yourself? Well, the thing is, I actually just saw it all the way through for the first time earlier today. What did you think? Oh no, it's really, really good. Really I good. Mean, yeah. I think, I think one of the, the, but I, when people talk about Hitchcock being a master, I think one of the things he was, he was brilliant at was the psychological side of what he was doing. Mm. So he will build something that would affect you psychologically without you realizing it. So you think about it and you think Rear Window. It's essentially Jimmy Stewart doesn't leave a room. He's in one room for the entire film, looking out at all these other people during the entire film. And it's so you think, oh, it's, it's going to be a bit like, you know, stagey, maybe a bit more like a play than actually a film or mm. anything. But the fact that he like you have all these little sort of grace notes, like the couple who are constantly slip, sleeping on the balcony because it's so hot indoors yeah. and like all these different things that he makes. And you have like the character that they end up calling Miss Lonely Heart. Miss Lonely and Hearts. The, oh, there's that heartbreaking scene where they got Miss Lonely Hearts over there. Yeah. She's, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, the, the heartbreaking scene where he where they have he has a shot because obviously it, because from his vantage point, he can see all the way through their apartment or flat, whatever you want to call it. Mm. 
And the bit where she goes, to, she sets the table, lights the candles, goes to the door, opens it. There's nobody there. And then she walks in and you're thinking, what the heck's going on? And then it twigs and you realize, oh, my word, she's pretending like she has a husband or a boyfriend. And, oh, my, that is heartbreaking. Yeah, you see her sit down at the table. and You, you oh. see, see her sit down at the table, like, yeah. like she kisses him on the cheek, pours two glasses of wine, and then just breaks down in tears. And, it's, and he actually gets just distracted by it. He thinks, oh, my God, she's going to do something terrible. Yeah. And, and, and he gets all involved in that. And, yeah. and he's got and, these and things going on. And, and then there's the bit where he's like, oh, should I, should I, call, the, should I call the cops to... Should I, should I use the phone to call my girlfriend and warn her to get out of the flat, or should I call the cops and say that someone's about to kill themselves to stop this possible suicide? Yeah. And it's no, and so I think it's the the masterpiece about it is just Hitchcock's psychological grasp of what he's doing to you at any point in time. Where he's he's like, okay, cool. At this point, you are going to be thinking this. Now you're going to be thinking this. Now you'll be thinking this. And when you talk about him being the ultimate puppet master, I think definitely of everything that happened on his set, but also. I think he was a bit of a puppet master over what you were thinking. Mm. When he he wanted total control over what you were thinking at any point in time while watching one of his films. But he never gave enough away to make to make you know more than you needed to at that particular moment, particularly in this film. Yeah. You knew exactly what you needed to know to be where he wanted you at that moment. Yeah, essentially you, you never knew anything you, you didn't know anything that Jimmy Stewart did didn't know. No. <laughs> you, you, you're just like you're as much in the dark as he is. Yeah, and that's the thrill of it because you you got to watch. You got to yeah. find out what's going on over the, over there. Uh, is it what we are fearing? <laughs> you know, he's leaving the house with all these suitcases and where is this woman gone? It's just absolutely uh, fantastic. Uh, in uh, every one, way. one of the things I love is <clears throat> the characterization because the fact is that a lot of a lot of the cast of this film hardly say a word. Yeah, a lot yeah. of the so the 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 main heavy lifting with all the words and all the dialogue is done by James Stewart, yep. Grace Kelly, yeah, Grace Kelly, um, ooh, Thelma Ritter, Thelma Ritter, who yeah. who talks a little bit too much in some scenes, but isn't she funny? <laughs> she is brilliant. She's she so is brilliant. witty and sharp in this film in particular. She's I, a great. I, know, I love her. I absolutely love her. She's like one of those because she she was never she was like a she was what you call a jobbing actress. She was never really like you know a massive star, but she appeared in loads of stuff. She got a few roles out of Hitchcock as well. She yeah. was in the TV show quite yeah. a few times. And it's just you know you look at them and you think brilliant these guys. It's just it got a good cast together. But but okay, back to what I was saying about characterization is that you you get to know all these different people. You have the guy who's like trying to write a song and his piano in his studio flat. You got Miss Torso as well. Yeah, Miss Torso, the <laughs> ballet dancer who's like dancing around her living room while eating what looks like ribs. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's that's my <laughs> kind of woman. <laughs> I'm like dancing and eating ribs. Miss Torso is everyone's kind of woman. <laughs> but, but the most attractive thing about her is that she eats ribs. All right. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Not the dancing. Oh, forget the dancing. Just give me the ribs. <laughs> and it's like, uh, so you had, uh, but you have all these characterization that goes on, and you feel like you get to know these characters as the film goes on, even though you like, it's like, uh, even though you, you you hardly ever hear them say a word. Mm. But yeah, so I thought uh, I I really really enjoyed it. I, I love the fact that there's one particular scene where you have Grace Kelly and Jimmy Stewart talking, and in the background. Okay, Joe, you, you can't see this, listeners, but Joe just rolled his eyes at the mention of the word Grace Kelly. <laughs> Grace Kelly. Okay, Grace Kelly has shown up on this before. She was like, she was the she was the clue that Joe was alluding to in his five clues uh, or four clues a couple of weeks ago. And what was that you said about your wife? I, I didn't actually, did I actually say that? I thought I, yeah, my wife's called Grace. Um, <laughs> and some people speculate that I only married her because of that. Um, I couldn't possibly comment. Mm, okay, cool. Good, good stuff. Anyway, anyway, as I was saying, Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly, they're having this discussion, and out of the back window, you can see something happening in one of the flats behind them. And, you get, and 
it was almost kind of like as much as you're listening to what they're saying you're kind of looking and going okay what are they doing who's that who's that is that miss torso who what's she doing what's she doing what's she up to all that kind of yeah. stuff yeah you just want to you just want to look just concentrate on what's going on over there yeah yeah you just essentially he 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 brings <clears throat> you into his whole voyeuristic thing and i think it it had I mean, it also had a, a bit to say about the kind of lives we were beginning to live. Yeah. Like it had about everybody being in the compactment thing. I think, I think um, Telma Ritter's character, Stella, she ends up saying something about, oh, you can't even go out there and have a conversation with somebody. You're just yeah. going to stand out here and going to look into people's windows Isolated. and everything. I, I, I think Hitchcock might have been a bit of a voyeur himself. Oh, really, he was definitely, he, was, he, he, he loved watching. Yeah. He loved, he loved to pry. I think Hitchcock would have loved Facebook. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he <laughs> would have been. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's yeah, it's it's so it's funny because it's almost as if Jimmy Stewart has his his own personal Facebook stalking wall, looking into all these people's lives. And all. So I, I thought it was I thought that there were there was there was more there was almost a bit of social commentary that went on in the film as well. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting what you said about it being filmed from one point of view. It was it was Hitchcock's sort of third attempt to try a. A similar experiment. He had Lifeboat, where oh, the yeah. whole film took place on one mm, yeah. small rowing boat, which I absolutely love. It's I, it's it's sort of underrated, I think. I have a lot of time for that film. I, I think it's I, brilliant. I think that's a top film. Yeah. I would. Um, and then of course there was Rope, where oh yeah, where there was another experiment where it was all filmed in, in, within one apartment, without a single um, sort of cut. I mean, there were cuts, but they were cleverly masked by the camera moving behind people. Well, they, they were cleverly for the day. I think cleverly they, I for think, the day. I think they kind of show up, they show up quite ob- obviously <clears throat> when he's cutting it now. Yeah. But, I mean, they were done out of necessity because the reels only, were only so uh, so long. Yeah. Um, so he sort of had to do it. But but I think that's, that didn't succeed in using the sort of cinematic techniques to get your attention in, in quite the same way that the Rowinda did. Yeah. Um, I, I have a lot more time for Rope than a lot of people. Oh, no, I like Rope. But it yeah. d- didn't grasp... I don't think it grasped viewers in the same way that yeah. Rowinda did. I was like, yeah, we think <coughs> we, we have a lot more time for Rope than Jimmy Stewart did. Well, yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. He was like, yeah, I was totally miscast. I only did it because it was Hitchcock. I don't know why he did that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Rope was important for a lot of other reasons as well. I mean, it's a very uh, significant film. The two main characters, of course, being, uh, uh, well... Oh, based on reality. Yeah, based on reality, but the fact that they were they were clearly a, a gay couple. Oh, yes. Which <laughs> were committing murder, uh, and at that time, it was kind of obvious, and that's quite a, quite a big thing for that time. Yeah, but I think I think people were like, if you didn't say it blatantly at that time, they would just ignore the fact that that was there. Yeah. Ignore yeah. the elephant in the room. Yeah, it can't be, it. Can't yeah, be that. Yeah, no, 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 no. 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 For, forget it, forget it. Never yeah. mind. But looking back, I mean, it's clear these guys are <laughs> in a relationship. Yeah, they're, 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 there was definitely some sort of weird power relationship going on there. Yeah. And also one other thing about this film, because obviously Hitchcock is famous for his cameos in all his movies. Mm-hmm. This is the movie in which I spotted the cameo straight <laughs> off because it's so blatantly obvious. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, who's that piano repairman? He looks a bit like, oh, there he is. Yeah. I think the only one slightly more obvious would be North by Northwest, where in the opening sequence he stands there <laughs> trying to get on a bus. <laughs> the bus door close, closes and pulls away and he's just stood there at the pavement. Yeah, <laughs> and the camera actually holds on him for about a second or two. He's like, "Yes, I am here. Yeah, I made this film. He got it out of the now, way earlier on because now carry people on. Had, uh, people had spent the whole film looking for him rather than concentrating <laughs> on the story. So he started getting them out of the way earlier. Yeah. Oh, and also, I think there's some bits where it's obvious that Hitchcock just loved Grace Kelly. Who doesn't? He just he oh. just loved. It's like like the first shot you see of her. 
the first shot you see of her where Jimmy Stewart wakes up. He wakes up and she's almost like and, a dream, isn't yeah, yeah, she? It's like she's a dream and it's just like almost like this sort of moon coming towards his face. And they have this shot because obviously he's scared of getting married and all that. And they have this impending doom shot of where her shadow goes over his face, kind of like a, like a, almost like a lunar eclipse. And then her first line, I mean, the way she just sort of breathes it into the, mm. like, into the microphone, it's just... It's kind of it's it's a film almost designed to make you fall in love with her, and it worked. It was the first ever. Um, it was probably the first Hitchcock I ever saw when I was young. It was the first Grace Kelly film I ever saw when I was young, and I've been in love with both of them ever since. <laughs> I mean, that shot that you're talking about, the focus is so soft, and the it, lighting it, is so surreal that she is dreamlike. Isn't a she? lot of the shots I noticed, even in the same scene, whenever he filmed her, she was oh, she was in softer focus than James Stewart was. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was quite weird. And also, there's the line he says something like he's talking about why he's worried about marrying her and he's like she's smart she's too smart too beautiful too everything of what i want in a, in a, in a woman and i'm mm-hmm. kind of like are you talking about the character are you talking about grace kelly yeah. yeah yeah but oh well so rear window i think um actually yeah we chose that so obviously we like that but now time for joe's first clue okay so what joe does every week is he gets up a couple of clues about cinematic legend and we've got to try and figure out who this person is before the end of the show joe take it away all right i've been incredibly clever with this one Ah. Uh, the um screen legend that we're trying to guess today her famous love affair with the war photographer robert kappa was the basis for alfred hitchcock's rear window oh so this screen legend's love affair with the famous war photographer Robert Kappa is what actually inspired Alfred Hitchcock's uh, rear window and the, the characters in it. So she must have been famous before the film was made. Hmm. Okay. Okay. That's all I'm giving you for now. Any ideas, Sean? No, none at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. We will come back to that as it goes on. We'll hear more of the clues and see what Joe has for us. So, carrying on. Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> Every week we have interviews sourced from you guys. You guys, the patients, the good patients of St. Mary's Hospital. We ask you, number one, tell us the story of the first time you went to the cinema. And number two, what's your favorite film of all time? And I was walking around the hospital earlier this week, and this is what Seamus in Colwell Ward said. Oh, gosh. That's a long time ago. I used to go in for not, uh, nine pundits and a shilling. But we used to slip in the back way. Oh, that was one of John Wayne's. I can't think of the name of it. Long time ago. But we got in to see it. But we was checked out. We got back in. We had the three westerns he made. He made into a, a Three films, which he played senior officers. He was a cavalry officer, and uh, he was a John Wayne's. He made three: a captain, a major, and a general. Well, he was in uh, plenty of war movies, and uh, I think the only one is Hat. The West, the West name he made with hats. I can't think of it. Oh, the Green Beret. Green Beret. Yeah. That was the best. The Green Beret. That was the best of all time. 
Yes, the magic of John Wayne movies. So that was the Ballad of the Green Beret song, which shows up at the end of the movie. And it's actually a famous thing that's used by the actual Green Berets in America. But, Sean, you are a resident war movies and John Wayne veteran. So, take it away. Tell us, Green okay. Berets. The Green Berets, yeah. Great, great action movie. Um, it came out about 68, and I think things weren't going so well in Vietnam for for America so mm. John Wayne being a real Republican that he was great uh, American patriot decided that he'd make this film because he, he had some input into it to try and um, persuade the American public to support the Vietnam War yeah. so it was very in this film apart from the action sequences it was very uh, should we say almost a propaganda film really yeah. about, you know oh we can go over there we can save these uh, save these people they're treated so harshly by all these horrible people mm. um, I think Joe thinks it's a bit uh, we was having a discussion about it earlier and i think he thinks it's very uh, yeah it's a bit uh, uh i don't know a little bit offensive in a way there, <laughs> there are quite a lot of cliches in it and it's obviously trying to get everyone on board and it just ooh. but there's some 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 great action sequences and um i think they must have filmed it in the philippines and uh when when the Viet Cong and NVA are attacking the, the, the fire base. Yeah. Um, you can actually see they are actually obviously uh, possibly American extras because they're wearing like masks, big chins and things, and they all come bursting through. <laughs> and and I remember. Like racist alarm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, uh, but there, there's an interesting um, part played, a, a Vietnamese part played by George Takey, who's in. George Yeah, Sulu in um, in the Star Trek, and he's like, I've got this. He plays so, Captain Nim. Captain Nim, that's right. And he's up, and he's got he's got all these explosives because um, he's he's blowing up all sorts of things. Really, really good action movie. Um, it is. It's I a say, really good it's, action movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's it's a bit like uh, it's a bit like. In our first show that we ever did, we spoke about Zulu. Zulu, and sure. We, we spoke a bit like that, like a brilliant spectacle as a film, but then you start digging into it, and it's yeah. and it, it gets a bit murky. You start <laughs> but, feeling a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, it, it gets a bit murky. But, so like, so, but as long as you ignore that bit and just treat it as a film, that bit. Yeah, as 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 an action film, it it, it, it really sort of holds up. Um, and round about that time, I mean, war films. I love all sorts of war films, and I think um, our gentleman was talking about uh, when he said he played a. Major, I think that was in the film The Horse Soldiers it was talking about, which was, which was actually a Western. Okay, yeah. And um, a Western, yeah, with William Holden. And um, really, really good action movie. That's one thing you've got to say about John Wayne, is he did do some some really good action it was, action movies. He was kind of like, it was, it was a, you have different eras of action heroes. Because yeah, obviously, sure. when you hear action nowadays, the closest thing people think about is like Arnold Schwarzenegger and people like that. Sure. But John, John not, not John McClane, John Wayne... <laughs> <laughs> John Wayne was a different type of action hero, or a different kind of action star. Uh, and the funny thing about it is that the, the Green Berets, I saw this when I was a kid. I think I must have seen it when I was around about eight, eight, nine, ten. And it was actually the first film I saw in which John Wayne was not a cowboy. Mm. And I really? Re- yeah, I remember, it be, I remember being really confused, going, all right, cool, what's this film? Huh? Why is that guy not on a horse? Yeah. <laughs> why, why, he wearing, why doesn't he have one of those big hats on? Yeah. Why, why, is he, why is he carrying a machine? No, he's a cowboy. What's wrong? <laughs> What's happened here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as far as I was he's, concerned, John Wayne was a cowboy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> always, you, you watch all his films, he always walks through a door sideways. <laughs> he always comes through sideways. You, you do notice that. He always walks through sideways. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was in quite a few war movies as well. Sounds yeah. of Iwo Jima, yeah. Flying Leathernecks. 
Yeah, the very thing is that the composer of the film, a guy called Miklos Rosser. Yeah, bit of a legend. Yeah, apparently he, for him as well, it was probably the first film he'd ever seen in which John Wayne was not a was not a, a cowboy because John Wayne is one of the directors of the Greens Berets. Sure. Like there's three guys credited. He's one of the, so he took a really big part in making sure that this film happened because he had such a, obviously the political thing behind it. And he had this, he had his agenda that he, in which he wanted to get this film made. And apparently he, he approached, um, Oh, good. I can't remember who it was. He approached to do the, to do the, com- the, score to begin with to compose the movie and he said sorry can't do it because of his political beliefs and thinking that mm. america shouldn't be in vietnam so he said mm. no can't do it interesting i can't i can't remember who it was i know i can't someone, someone like that no no okay i'll have to check that i'll find that out mm. but then when he went to Nicholas russell russell was like oh sorry i don't do westerns he was like nope don't do westerns go away (laughs) it's quite funny at the start of the film you've got um david jansen who's uh like a a correspondent war correspondent Mm -hmm. and he's very very oh what do you think we're doing out there and in the end of the film at the end of the movie I think Obviously, the, the, the final shot is of him thinking, "Oh, we need to be out here." So that's we what need. I find. That's what leaves a that's really what, horrible yeah. taste in the mouth. Because I, I think there's a little lad called Hamchuck, isn't there? That's yeah. right. He takes him off, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. That's and what John. Well, no, no. And then John Wayne is the one who walks off with Hamchuck. No. Yeah, yeah but, but oh yeah. 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 yeah, that. Well, the final scene is them on the yeah, beach yeah. walking away. You're what this but, is but, all about. Yeah. Yes. But before that, before that, it was um, yeah. That scene does happen in which he's talking about. Oh, I think I'm going to get fired if I go back because I've changed my stance on it. I think yeah, we yeah, need yeah. to be out here. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I've done a lot of research into Chinese propaganda films, mm. and it's the same beats. Yeah, and I, re- I see them a mile off, and I just feel really uncomfortable. Have you seen the Flying Tigers? Yeah, the John Wayne film. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't, I don't quite feel quite as uncomfortable with that as I do. Well, I think, I think the thing is, I think that they do, they do quite well in raising this whole idea that there's two sides to this story, where it's not as simple as we shouldn't be there, or not as simple as we should be there. But then it's that final thing where the guy leaves and immediately goes, right, that's it. I am now. It's all clear now. I was a Democrat. I am now a Republican. <laughs> Everything's better now. I'm going to mm. sign up and I'm going to go there and fight myself because. <laughs> Can I read the tagline for the film? Yes, go ahead. So you don't believe in glory and heroes are out of style and they don't blow bugles anymore. So take another look at the special forces in a special kind of hell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how, how long does that need to go on for? <laughs> uh, no, the thing is, so I think it's it's one of this. They've uh, the thing I the thing I would love to give them give them credit for is that they didn't chuck their responsibility to make a good film out the window to get their message across. They at least still made a good film, mm. <laughs> even though yeah, message message might be a bit um, unpalatable to some, shall we say? Mm. Entertaining film, but yeah. yeah. But I also remember that this film is probably the moment I, when I when I started to realize that movies don't always have happy endings. It's one of the first films I remember that has like you know a sad scene where all the, not all the heroes come back alive, and even though I can't remember the film particularly, I remember something just making me think, "Hang on, that's a bit that's a bit horrible." And it's the bit where I think they they capture the guy they're trying to capture, but they leave a whole bunch of their own soldiers behind. Who, and that's when the guy who the Vietnamese kid is is looking for at the end. That's when he dies, Peterson or something Peterson. like. Peterson. Yeah, and that's and it's so. Uh, and it, I think for that, it's a bit of a watershed movie for me. I remember it because there were two war movies. This and another one called The Wild Geese. Oh yeah, The Wild Geese. The Wild Geese with Roger Moore. Roger and, Moore. Yeah, <laughs> and those were two things we watched around about the yeah. same time. And I just those were the films that that made me think. Hang on, wait. You mean? 
people die? I mean, you, you mean yeah. they, they, the, everything is fine at the end of the movie? You mean, are they allowed to kill the, that person the, in that film? The, the people wi- are crying? The, the what, wild what's geese. going on here? <laughs> the Wild Geese, that is a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really, that was a, a top movie, some good, uh, good cast in that film. Okay, and um, yeah, so and if anybody is listening to this online and if you want to come uh, get to, in touch with us on Facebook, on phone, on, on Twitter... See whether you can guess the other movies in which John Wayne played. What was I think was a major, a general, and a colonel in the Green Berets. He was it's a colonel. colonel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a colonel. So well, I'm pretty sure he was a major in the Horse Soldiers. Yeah, and so it was just the one who was the major. What was the other one? Colonel. Was a, a, colonel, a general. A general. general um, yeah, I, I, it might have been the longest day, perhaps, because he went in with paratroops. Nope, nope. Longest nope. day. I got that here. He was Lieutenant Colonel Benjamin Van der Voort. Van der Voort. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So it's that, and there's another film called Cast a Giant Shadow, but I think that might be a Western. Mm. I'm not sure about that one. Okay, anyway, people, <coughs> it's time to move on, and it's time for Joe's Second Clue. Okay, because I have the opportunity to, we're going to stay in the uh, Hitchcock arena for the next clue. <laughs> uh, on their last meeting, Alfred Hitchcock was in tears terrified of his own impending death. Now, this screen legend at the time was actually suffering from cancer, the cancer that would ultimately kill her. She told Hitchcock, of course you're going to die sometime, Hitch. We're all going to die. She later said that this seemed to bring Hitchcock some sort of peace. Uh, Hitchcock died actually in 1980, and this screen legend died two years later, as I said, from cancer in 1982. So they obviously have a relationship there, don't they? So she must have starred for Hitchcock. Right. She must have starred for Hitchcock, so she's she's got to be blonde. Right. <laughs> We're narrowing it down. <laughs> she's got to be blonde, and she can't be any, anybody who survived past 1982. Mm. And she died of cancer. I mean, if you, if you know anything about this star, or if you think it might be that star, that'll, uh, that'll confirm it for you. Hmm. I'm just going to go through all the Hitchcock... All the Hitchcock women who, after a while, I stopped hearing about. Hmm. Hmm. Sean, hmm. what are you thinking? I've, I've, I've no idea at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. We will come back to that. We'll come back to that with something else. So, as I said, as I was walking around the hospital, in the bed next to Seamus, I found Mike. And um, Mike told me about his favorite movie um, as we were talking about it. And this is what he said. Oh, wait a second. Yeah, this is what Mike said. The first time I went to the cinema was uh, um, way beyond my memory. Um, it was to see Mickey Mouse or something like that. Uh, but um, the, the latest film, film that I have seen, which I have thoroughly enjoyed, um, has been uh, uh, the... Um, Oh, the famous motive, motive, motorbike, motorbike res, uh, um, rescue from Stalagroff Three. The Great Escape. The Great Escape. Uh, wonderful film. And <laughs> well, well, it, it was it, it was everything which was um, one imagined uh, um, a great escape to be like. Um, with. Uh, um, the in, in, ingenuity of using uh, photostats of um, uh, of stories 
um, which were used as actual um, messages from uh, the big white chief through to the people in in the prison prison camps. No, it was it was altogether good, altogether good. I tend to like English films. Um, uh, holiday, 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 holiday wood movies really leave, leave me rather cold. Um, the the English is so bad. Yes, obviously, with The Great Escape, there's only one song you can play. <laughs> only one song you can play after a film, like, uh, after someone mentions that. So, guys, Great Escape. Great Escape, yeah, great movie on every Christmas. Um, the prison escape movie. The prison escape movie. It's almost, it's almost more of a classic than classic. <laughs> Everybody watches it. When, when you watch it, you're almost thinking, am I watching... a you know, a parody of it. It's it's almost so iconic. Every scene is such a classic, it almost doesn't feel real. Have, have you got a favourite part? Oh, anyth anything with Donald Pleasance in. Oh. Anything with Blythe in. I love that guy. I love Steve McQueen, man. Yeah. When he goes over the... <laughs> on his motorbike. Yeah, it's cool, it's cool. He actually, um, he actually was... Steve McQueen was actually very much a, a motorcyclist. He yeah, yeah no, he, was, he was quite a bit of a motorhead. Yeah, he, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Anything to do with speed. I think that's why he ended up making a film about Le Mans, about the Le Mans yeah, 24 hours. 24 Le Mans. I think that was the first. They used split screen on that. Was it really? Yeah, I think so. I think it's the yeah. first film. But it was, it was just mainly because of his, because he in his time when he wasn't acting, he was essentially a race car driver. That's right, yeah. I, me I remember on the trailer it said, Steve McQueen stars, only he could. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no. But back to The Great Escape. Um, just, it's just... It's, it's a great adventure movie. It's a great collection of characters yeah. thrown into a situation. I mean, the first half's almost a comedy, isn't it? I mean, it is. It is, it yeah. is uh, played for laughs almost, and then it goes into something else as the great escape starts to take shape. Yeah. Okay, so this is this is it's confession time. I've never seen this film. You've never seen it. I've never seen oh, this film. Wow. I've seen Steve McQueen on a um, on a motorbike. I've seen him jump a fence. I know all about the um, good luck and cheers moment, but I've never seen the film. So uh, <laughs> it did definitely. It took me longer to see it than I would care to admit. Uh, actually, I, it wasn't one that I used to watch as a kid. I know it was on all the time, but it did take me a few years longer than really I'd like to to see it. Yeah, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've seen it there's, quite a few times. But, since but on about the comedy, it's such a great scene because obviously um, there's Canadians, Scotsmen, and there's this scene, and the Canadians have brewed this moonshine talking oh. about moonshine it's one of my favorite scenes and they pass it around it's like <laughs> they're all coughing and then it goes to the scottish guy and he goes oh i think that's rather good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and there's just little incidents like that going yeah. and and trying to fool the uh, the german guards and things so i think it's one of the great greatest collections of characters ever oh, put together sure. they just play, play off each other well and they're yeah. all so different and you get to know them and you get to really care about them a lot of the cast were magnificent seven mm, yeah. yeah bronson coburn yeah okay so so is it a british film uh i would 
well, it was John Sturgis. Um, is it actually a British film? Uh, I should think. Because, mm. because I know it's it's set in it's set in a in a German POW camp. Yeah. And it's, um, but the main guy is Steve McQueen, who was in no way British or even trying to act like a British no. person. Uh, officially, it's a U.S. film. Officially, yeah. it's a U.S. It film. is officially a U.S. film. There's, there's quite a few American airmen in it, because oh, it's basically for, um, for, for airmen, yeah. you know, for and pilots and things and so there's quite a few Americans in there oh, right. yeah. yeah, I was just wondering because I thought it was funny the way uh, Mike in the interview towards the end he was like oh, I tend to like British films um, like, I don't like Hollywood movies I, I, they leave me cold I, the language British is so film. bad yeah 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 I, I, I think it could be classed as a British film because just the way it's it's made really Oh, if 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 non-British made, then definitely British adopted. A British adopted. Well, if Richard Attenborough's in it, it's got to be British, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose on that thing, Jurassic Park's a British film. It's not. Is it? <laughs> Forget that. <laughs> Forget it. Well, yeah. Well, Gandhi's a British film. So. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gandhi's the British film. The British film. Cool. Yeah. There's only three that escape, isn't there? In the end. Yeah. At the end of the film. There's, there's only well, three. do we want to spoil it oh. for Tozen? I don't, I don't think anything could be a spoiler now. I think <laughs> oh, dear. It's 1963. You've had your chance. Yeah, I've had long enough. I've had long enough to, to watch it, and it's just my fault if anything gets spoiled right now. <laughs> <laughs> don't get too attached Spoilers. to a lot of the characters, put it that way. Well, yeah, I figured there was going to be a bit like that, because, I mean, the it's a bit like there's some of the scenes that I've seen that... Uh, a bit like the end of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid when they walk around and go, yeah, they're dead. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The scenes that I've seen where I've looked at I'm going, yeah, yeah, Steve McQueen, I don't think he's getting out of this alive. That kind of stuff. <laughs> so it's so, uh, mm. so yeah, uh, it's one of those ones that I've always, uh, that I think, okay, I've got to go watch, I've got to go watch, I've got to go watch because everybody keeps talking about it. Yeah, it doesn't matter how many times you see it, you still sort of watch it again. From from five minutes in, you're, you're hooked. It's not, it's not a difficult film to watch at all. Yeah, right. Yeah. Is it like a real sort of rah 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 boy's own adventure kind of thing? It, it turns into that, doesn't yeah, it? It, it kind of does, does yeah, turn yeah. into that towards the end. But <laughs> yeah. but in a really uh, sort of pleasant way, in a really pleasant nice way. way. Yeah. So it's it's a, it's a good movie. Yeah. So if you're going to compare it to like, you know, the Green Berets, what why is one one a bit and the other one just yay? Because it's not being forced down your throat in this film. It's just a bunch of guys trying to get out of prison. Yeah. Whereas whereas the Green Berets are being Hammered round tro- head. Yeah, a bit of a propaganda oh, thing. I don't yeah. think there's any propaganda in this. It's just a so good it, it's kind of it's essentially a prison break movie that just happens movie. to be set in a German POW yeah, camp. That's it. Yeah, that's that, that's my take on it. Pretty much. Pretty much. Okay. Cool. Good stuff. So, Great Escape. We're happy with that choice. Yeah. Happy good choice. choice. There or another case of oh, and I was actually thinking with a with the title of a show called Bean, they don't make them like they used to. I guess with the Green Berets, they definitely don't make them like they used to. Anymore. No, no. Well, not in this country. Hopefully. Yeah, I, I don't think a film like that would fly nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> it would just be like a too, uh, yeah, no, too on PC. Anyway, Joe, mm. it's that time. Okay, so I think we'll move away from the Hitchcock for this one. Uh, we know that um, this screen legend's love affair um, with the war photographer Robert Capo inspired Hitchcock's rear window, and we know that this screen legend offered Hitchcock some some comforting comforting words uh, when he was fairly aware that he was going to be dying soon. Um, this screen legend took a seven thousand dollar pay cut to appear in a very successful and high-profile film in 1942. She wasn't even given the chance to decline the role. It was part of her contract. David O. Selznick pretty much said she had to do it. It was uh, a very big role, let's say. 
1942. Oh. David O. Selznick pretty much forced her to do it, and she took a dollar uh, pay cut to uh, appear in it. <clears throat> think of the dates, think of the times. Mm. 1942. 1942, yeah. Selznick. Mm. Okay, we, we, can't, we can't have people sit here listening to us just think. No. So <laughs> we can listen to Sean writing, on his ha- writing his ideas down on his hand <laughs> <laughs> frantically. I think I know it. I remember that, I remember that. I think I know it. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, we'll move on, we'll move on. Um, <clears throat> it's things are getting kind of like narrowed down in my head. Mm. All right, cool. We now have a section of the show which is coming back in its original format after a couple of weeks of people suggesting movies for Sean to talk about. This is called Exceptions to the Rule with Sean, where Sean picks a movie that's made after 1980 and says this is a good enough, this is a film that is seen as good enough for any time period. So, Sean, what is our exception to the rule this week? Okay, our exception to the rule this week is um, We Were Soldiers, a Mel Gibson thing, film. Yeah, okay. a superb film, yeah. Again, takes place in Vietnam, similar to the Green Berets. Oh, yeah? But I think what's good about this film is it also shows it from the North Vietnamese position as well. All right. So they're not, they're not down as... Um, and I think the title says it all, We Were Soldiers. So mm. you've got the Americans on one side and the NVA on the other side, the North Vietnamese. And it shows it from both sides because mm-hmm. the North Vietnamese were like proud soldiers as well. Yeah. And um, it's just, uh, I think there's another film coming up about the same time called The Bridget Remagen. And that was, a, Bridget Remagen, have you heard of this film? No, no, never no. heard of that. That's quite an old film. Who was that? It's uh, probably the same year as, um, same, yeah. yeah. It was a bit nihilistic, um, but it was very much, it showed it. It was Robert Vaughan played a German general that had to hold this bridge against the Americans. Okay. And um, he was quite sympathetic as a German, and the Germans were, some of the Germans were quite sympathetic. And on the American side, they were very uh, disillusioned with the war. Yeah. And um, I think this was maybe like a juxtaposition to the Green, the Green Berets. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a good, I'm sure lots of people have seen it. Terrific, terrific score by Elmer Bernstein. Mm. Same guy, Great Escape. Yeah, and, yeah, and a yeah. great opening shot because there's a bridge and this train's going across with lots of German troops and the American tanks are coming down the other side. Well, which one are we talking about now? Bridget Remagen, sorry. Okay, yeah. I'm just, just to say this because it's such a good film to see if you ever get a chance to see oh, it. Oh, yeah? Okay. And as in with We Were Soldiers, um, it shows both sides, which is, is what I really enjoyed. And lots and lots of action. Lots of lot. And I think, Joe, you, you said there's one scene you liked, didn't you? Which one's this? In, um, in we, we, were we Were Soldiers. Yeah. There's a there's a really, really touching scene where all these guys are waiting, they're, they're waiting to go, basically. And they know they've got to leave. Uh, and they basically, one by one, turn up at this bus stop in the middle of the night. One of them's there waiting. And then the camera's just still. And then a few seconds later, another one arrives. They don't say anything to each other. They just sort of stand at the bus stop. And then a third one arrives. And a fourth one arrives. And all these guys are heading off to, you know, the Valley of Death, as they call sure. it. They, they turn up at the bus stop without saying a word to each other, and the scene's just really, really powerful, I think, because of that. I, I really like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, the bit with the North Vietnamese, and I'm going back to the North Vietnamese, they've, um, they've been attacked, and the general, or the commander of the North Vietnamese, looks around, and lots of his men are dead as well. Yeah. And he, you sort of also yeah. feel for the... Uh, the North Vietnamese as well as you do the Americans. So it's like well, like a proper anti-war movie. It just kind of says I, I, no one, no one really wins. Yeah, no one really wins. Yeah. Um, but uh, as I say, but as a good action movie as well, terrific, terrific action movie. Okay. Lots and lots of action, lots and lots of fighting. I noticed um, there's a the, the, the character that Sam Elliott plays. Um, 
the character that Sam Elliott plays is um, very much inspired by uh, um, Apocalypse Now. What's Apocalypse Now. Yeah, uh, Kurtz. Colonel. No, um, on the beach. Love the smell of napalm in the oh, morning. Oh, Kilgore. 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 Yeah. In that he's just standing there and things are whizzing around him and he's not phased by it. Things are exploding right next to him and he doesn't even dive for cover. Yeah. Quite like that. <laughs> that's that, that. Yeah, we're back to Apocalypse now. That's probably, um, I think I think that's voted as one of the best war movies of all time. If you look on all the lists, yeah, like yeah. top 10 lists, that's like... Sure. Yeah. That took me a couple of watches to get through. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so you're going to say... I was going to say, did you enjoy... Um, uh, have you seen We Were Soldiers? I haven't seen We you Were Soldiers. You haven't seen it. We, we, because uh, the thing is, it's, I know it's Mel Gibson, mm-hmm. and of all the posters I've seen, it's him and a bunch of soldiers with uh, what looks like a Vietnamese girl walking through the jungle. And it's and it it got slated when it got released. Oh, yeah. I remember that it got slated when it got released, and I, I just didn't, I never got around to seeing it. But it's, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really, I'm surprised to hear you guys say that. No, I was really impressed with it. I yeah, remember yeah. We coming out of the cinema and thinking, wow, that's that's really, really good. Good, really, really I, good. I haven't seen it for a few years, but I remember being really impressed by it. Maybe it was just the beginning of the Mel Gibson backlash. It was, yeah, it was the beginning of the end, I think. Yeah, he yeah. didn't do a lot of yeah. um, interest. The, the connection there between um, Mel Gibson and um, We Were Soldiers is that We Were Soldiers was actually directed by Randall Wallace. The man oh, the guy who wrote Braveheart. Who wrote Braveheart and yeah. was also the writer on... Uh, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and everyone yeah. in the whole hospital is groaning now. Uh, oh, yeah. God, okay. why? Okay, for any, anybody who thinks, if you think, oh, Pearl Harbor, that sounds good. I, sh- I should go watch that. Sounds like a nice historical movie. No. Uh, get it on video and watch the second hour. Oh, yeah, and the then, attack on Pearl Harbor yeah, is spectacular. Yeah, watch watch the second hour and then switch it off. Yeah. Yeah, just fast forward, ignore the first hour. It's... Uh, yeah, it, if you want to see a good film about Pearl Harbor, you know, need to see Torah, 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 Torah. It's so yeah. good. Yeah, I, I saw that. And I, I was I was kind of thinking, I was watching going, this is like Pearl Harbor, but yeah. better. better. From here to eternity, <laughs> yeah. isn't that? Pardon? From here to eternity. What, that's a, that's, well, 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 that's, that's the attack on Pearl Harbor. Yeah, yeah I, I, from... I felt that was, you know, if you're going to do it, do it right. And that, that was much better. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. a lot more. I mean, like that, yes. What, from here to eternity? Yeah. You've seen Torah, Torah, Torah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah. Very, very soon after Pearl Harbor, actually, to try and sort of get claims. <laughs> but I, I didn't hate Pearl Harbor as much as a lot of people. Yeah. But there, you know, I, it's, it's oh, flawed no, I, in I, many ways. I, I think that the the second hour of Pearl Harbor is brilliant. Yeah. It's just one of the is one of the best cinematic things I've seen. It's constant. And it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the, but then the film continues. Mm. Yeah. It's quite funny. I was telling Joe for I, a long I, time. <laughs> yeah. I was actually in a phone on it. Was this not a radio? Radio Solent a long time ago, and I actually. They said if people could phone in and say what they thought their worst movie was, and, and at that time I actually phoned in and said, well, I think Pearl Harbor was. They asked me why. I said a few questions. So he was a in the Eagle Squadron, and then he was flying bombers and fighters, and he yeah. was sort of everywhere, and it was really silly. And yeah. they actually sent me a, a Time Out book of films of um, 2000, I think. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. Just so in case you ever felt like watching Pearl Harbor again, you <laughs> could pick up the book. Because they, they, they obviously agree the with me. Yeah. <laughs> you can re-edit the bit in there. So. <laughs> All right. Okay, cool. So that's um, We Were Soldiers, uh, a recommendation. If you haven't seen it, go go pick it up. It is good enough for any time period. Mm. All right. And uh, now, Joe, it is time for Final Clue. Okay. I've made this one uh, quite, quite easy, I thought. Um, obviously, the screen legend made it huge in Hollywood. Um, kind of got forgotten for a little while. Um, and then, then came back again and, and, and wowed everybody with really dramatic portrayals of people going through quite emotional uh, situations and, and troubles. Um, she also made six movies with 
the legendary filmmaker Roberto Rossellini. Oh, come on. <laughs> that should have clinched the deal. That should have, I mean, if anyone doesn't know, that, that should have done it. The legendary filmmaker Roberto Rossellini made six movies with this screen legend. Uh, I'll name two or three of them for you. They, they, they worked on Of Life and Love, they worked on Fear, and they worked on Journey to Italy. <laughs> Roberto Rossellini, the, the cinematic legend that I is. Know, that, I that, know, that, that I know. It's, it's always the last, the last blue always throws me every yeah, time. Yeah, the thing is, when you said they became a huge star, that kind of, I was like... They were, they were huge, absolutely huge. They worked with all the biggest Hollywood directors that there were. Um, gonna, who, who directed that, um, the film with the Trevi Fountain in it? La Dolce Vita? Uh, Fellini. That was Fellini. Okay, that wasn't Rossellini. Okay, cool. Mm. No, okay, so Roberto Rossellini, he's Isabella Rossellini's dad. Um, yes, I believe so. Okay. Yes. Okay, I've, I've got, I've got. Go for the Europe. <laughs> go for the Europe angle. It, it's 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 a massive Hollywood name, but but who who else could possibly fit into that European star as well? Yeah, no, I have I have a name in my head. Okay, I have a name in my head who I who I think did have a contract thing. I think it appeared in some sales next stuff yeah. and. Yeah, was in a pretty big role around about then, or was it the film that was big? I didn't know she was friends with Hitchcock. No, I didn't. I'm by the person I'm thinking of. And I okay, okay, cool. All right, I think I actually want to. You know, I want to do something when we when we post this thing up and we put the podcast up. I want to have like you know, almost like we just okay, we trust you people. Text us and let us know if you figured out who it was. Maps, <laughs> yeah. maps, we do this. If you got it, yeah. <laughs> if you got it without going on the internet, we will. Yes. <laughs> we will yeah. trust you. We will trust you for that, and you, you can let us know, and you let us know at what point, whether it was clue one, two, three, or whatever, and see whether we can get people to do this. It wouldn't take long to find on the internet, but do it without the internet. Yeah. That's that's, Dude, that's the point of this, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Oh man, we've run out of music. We took too long. Anyway, it's that hard. It is that hard. Yeah. Oh. Okay, I'm I'm gonna make I'm gonna make my decision now, and I'm just gonna go with that. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna be so wide of the mark. <laughs> uh, oh, good lord. What was the first clue again? The first clue was that her famous love affair with the war photographer Robert Kappa was the basis um, for okay, Hitchcock's cool. Rear Window. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with someone who had loads of love affairs. I'm gonna go with Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor. Oh yeah. Bit of I'm a legend. Oh wait, no, no, no. That's wrong. She didn't die in '82. Yeah. Do we let him? I'm, Can I'm, you retract your answer? I'm you said it. Do we I'm allow clueless. that? I'm clueless. Do we allow that? I'm clueless. Ah, rubbish. <laughs> I'm clueless. Clueless. I think I think we'll allow a retraction. Has got a second. Okay, no, <laughs> uh, sorry, that uh, that was. Uh, she did not die in eighty two. What the heck am I on about? She was friends with Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, She's okay. still alive. Elizabeth Taylor. No. Is she? Yes, she is. She's still yeah, alive. Yeah, she is, isn't she? I think she is. I thought she died a couple of years ago. No. Well, I said that earlier on about what <laughs> <laughs> I got that wrong. <laughs> Sorry, okay, Tim Curry. Okay, okay, cool. Sorry, we're in a hospital radio station and we're sitting here talking about death. Yeah. I don't, I don't think no, I'm pretty, pretty sure she's still going. Yeah. Is she? Hmm. I thought she. I'm just watching. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. Um, all what? right. All right. Well, I'll have a go, but I'll be so wide in the mark that I think. Oh, oh. No, 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 no. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be daft. That'd be daft. Yeah, it, it, oh no, no. Because if it's Selznick, Selznick did Gone with the, the Wind. wind. Yeah, that's, yeah, but that's, that, but Vivian Lee, that was a whole different thing. I've, she she I've, wasn't under contract. No, she no, wasn't under it. contract. She, there was this big, massive. Oh, we spent ages trying to find her and all that kind of. 
<laughs> Wait a second. But then again, that whole thing was fabricated. The whole search for a star was fabricated. And she I, w I was thinking Vivian Lee when it came to the Salznick thing, but purely from the gone, gone with the wind angle. Mm. Um, okay, I'm going to... No, Vivian Lee, did she die in 18... She, okay, she died ages ago, yeah. She's been dead for most of my life. Yeah. That's, uh, that, when Joe said I was scribbling, that was okay. that was my first choice. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go. Okay, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Vivian Lee because yeah, that's, the, that's the, the other choice. person I had in my head who was with Hitchcock wasn't that bigger. Was not that bigger star. Mm. Was not was not was not a massive star. I know Vivian Lee became a big star after Gone with the Wind. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with Vivian Lee. I'm I'm gonna agree with Vivian Lee. It's on my hand. <laughs> right. Well, the uh, the answer is. Ingrid Bergman. Ingrid Bergman. Ingrid Bergman. Who else? Who else? Go for the Europe angle. I mean, six films. Was she, was she big in Hollywood? Ingrid Bergman. <laughs> big in Hollywood. Well, yeah. Casablanca. Was it Casablanca? Casablanca was the film that she had to. Oh. Casablanca was the one I was hinting at with the with the role that Selznick made her take in Forty Two. Oh wow. Ah. Was um yeah that was the one. Oh my. Oh yes, Ingrid. Okay, cool. I mean, yeah. Oh, she worked with Hitchcock in Spellbound. She made one of my favourite movies, Gaslight, which I absolutely love. Yeah. yeah, it's a great movie. She, when she had a little sort of time off, she didn't. She got forgotten a little bit, and then came back with Anastasia. Yeah. In fifty six. No, she was. She was. Pretty big. Yes. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde back in 41. Remember that one? That was pretty... Uh... Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yes, I'm pretty sure that she was... Uh, never mind. Nah. <laughs> the end of the sixth happiness. They go. Oh, yeah, the end of the sixth happiness. Yeah, there's loads. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I beat you guys. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, that's for Joe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Guys, we have about a minute. Um, so let's pick a film you saw recently that you would recommend. That um, if pe people get out of the get out of the the cinema, get out of the hospital next week, what should they go to the cinema to see? I think for a good adventure movie would be Pompeii. Really? Yeah, seriously. Okay. I know a lot of people, but then I'm, I'm, I was going to the left people. It looked people to me like, like they were just doing a Titanic. Yeah, but it's um, it's it's fun. It's a good adventure. Mm. Okay, Joe? Uh, well, I, I've not seen any this week I don't think that we haven't talked about but by this time next week I, will, I will have seen Godzilla that oh. comes out Thursday night so I'm going to be going to see that oh, and I'll let you know what Godzilla. it's like yeah. We've I, decided. I hope that's big. Perhaps we could big. bring some some classic Godzilla into the show next week, maybe. Is, uh, <laughs> they don't make them like that anymore. Unless they do, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they manage to make a Godzilla movie the same way they did it, the Toho Classics. I hope so. Yeah. Oh, well, let's see. Film I saw. I saw Transcendence. What did you think? I actually really like Transcendence. It's gotten some pretty bad reviews. It's got some terrible it? reviews. I know the last the last third the third act of the movie goes down a bit, but it's good. Mm. But anyway, that's all from us. From now, please do get better. Um, listen to your doctors, take all your medicines, get out of the hospital as soon as you can, and remember they don't make them like they used to.